We are continuing a five-week teaching series called Fight Club. We've been talking about fighting for our spiritual health, our physical health, financial health. This week, we're going to talk about healthy relationships. I want to fight for healthy relationships in our life. How many of you, COVID, made all of your marriage and dating and children problems easier? Yeah, no, it's been, it's been a tough time. My wife, uh, Lisa, and I just realized we went on a, a day date for, that's what, when you get older, you call a two-hour luncheon uh, with no kids on Friday. And we realized it was the first time we had gone on a date with no kids, we think, since COVID hit. Where before, it was like a weekly thing. We had it on the calendar every Friday. We're always doing this. And so I don't know about you, but I could use this in my life and maybe you could use it as well. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 15 as we talk about how we're gonna fight for healthy relationships. And in Genesis chapter 15, uh, you're gonna see the story of Abram and Sarai. They're eventually gonna be the covenant people of God who become Abraham and Sarah, but this is in their somewhat younger years, even though they're already almost 100 years old. And you're gonna see some of the problems they have in their relationship. So as you're turning to Genesis chapter 15, we're gonna look at 15 and 16. You know, I wanna tell you that as we use this story, it's gonna have uh, marriage issues in it. It's gonna have the issues of generational issues with their children. But I, I wanna take some of the principles we learn about relationships here and apply, apply it to your friendships, to your dating life. Because here's what I know. Okay, I, I know I haven't been in the dating world for a really long time, and, and, but I do wanna tell you, I, I, was, uh, I didn't get married when I was 20 years old. I, I know what it's like to have to search out and wonder where you are, God. Now, I haven't had to go through what some of you have gone through, so I don't wanna say that I have a, could identify with what the dating world is like today, but here is what I hear from many of you. It's horrible. It's like you have to create this digital you know, platform, whether it be Tinder or it be match.com or eHarmony or whatever else is out there. And you're going to create this thing that hopefully they like what they not only see, but make an emotional and spiritual connection with you through a digital profile that it just might lead to some texting back and forth, which potentially could take the major step of meeting for coffee to hopefully in a 30 to 45 minute conversation, make a spiritual connection that makes you think I should begin to pursue and to date this person only to find out that they're a creep and they look nothing like their profile and they have really a pretty horrible person and you're not surprised that they're single. Anybody been there? Frustrating. So whether you're dating or you're struggling, some of you in the parenting world, you're struggling with the decisions and the choices and the relationship with your grandkids, the greater family and cousins and uncles and aunts and like relationships are hard. We, we all know that, but I want to tell you, it's not only hard, I have seen over two decades of being a pastor that it is one of the most spiritually difficult areas of our life. It's one of the areas where I can see in someone's eyes when they're having relationship issues and the impact it's having on them spiritually. In fact, uh, uh, you know, a number of years ago, I was a young adult pastor in Southern California and this is a Pacific University pastor asked uh, my wife and I to come. And at the end of the service they were doing, they were teaching on family and family issues and what the Bible has to say about it. And they said at the end, we want you to pray with anybody if any college students want to come forward for prayer. We were there for over two hours praying for hundreds of students coming forward in tears 
bawling their eyes out because of the pain and the brokenness they had experienced in their families. This stuff matters. It's emotionally deep. It wounds us. It hurts us. It has spiritual impact. And I believe the enemy loves it. And so we're going to look at, whether you're here online or in person, how to fight back spiritually as just an initial step together to fight for healthy relationships. Are you ready to study God's word together? Come on. It says this in Genesis chapter 15. Genesis, this was written over 3,500 years ago in a Hebraic ancient language that we have translated into English to get our best understanding of what the passage says so that we could all gather together and hear from the Lord in these words. And in Genesis 15 verse one, it says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. So he's Abram right now. He's not Father Abraham who has many sons. He's Abram with no sons. And he's not happy about some things going on in his life and neither is Sarai. And he has this vision from the Lord and it says, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. They're almost a hundred years old. They don't have any children. They're wondering, where are you, God? How are you gonna take care of us and provide for us? It was a really big deal back then. And in this passage, God tells him, I'm gonna be your shield and your reward. I'm going to protect you in the area of your relationships and in your family and in your provision. And I'm going to be a blessing in your life. And he promises that to Abram, just like I believe he promises you today. You may not have the life you envision in your mind, but I promise you he's going to take care of you, that he loves you, that he created you, that he redeemed you. That in your dating life or in your marriage or in your parenting or in your family issues, or your relationships with your friendships or your roommates, When God is at the center of it, he will be our strong shield and our protector and our very great reward. And so naturally, Abram, being the godly person, the future chosen people of God, he said, okay, Lord, thanks for telling me I will trust you 100%. No, look what Abram does. By the way, if you feel like your family's not good enough, you're not good enough, you're not one of those good Christians that dates well and has healthy dating habits, and you never will. I want you to see how messed up Abram and Sarai's family becomes and how messed up their life is. See, verse two, he says, do not be afraid, Abram, I'll be your shield and your reward. And there's a really big but in verse two. I got to work on the order of those words, but it's a big deal because in this passage, it says, Abram, rather than just going, okay, God, he says, but Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus? He says, I know you're supposed to be my shield and my reward, but I've been trying to date some of you and it's not working out the way that I thought. I've been trusting you and you're not fixing my problems, so I'm getting tired of it. I'm gonna be honest with you. Some of you have been working on the same marriage issues for a really long time or you get discouraged in the parenting world about mental health things and the things that you're struggling. I get it. God gets it. We're not making light of it. He says, hey, all of my inheritance is going to go to the bozo down the street in Damascus because you can't give me a child. And I don't believe how God responds is the promise to everyone. He doesn't promise everyone we're going to have lots of descendants and certainly having children doesn't make you godly or ungodly. But what I want to share here is that in verse three, and Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir. He does make Abram a promise. 
This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you count them. Then he said to them, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and it credited to him as righteousness. So Abram goes out, looks at all the stars, no light pollution, so he can see all of them. Thousands of stars in the sky. Your descendants are going to be as many as that. He says, I'm going to provide for you. And it says that Abram, what it was, verse five there, believed and it was credited to him as, as righteousness. In other words, that for us today, the New Testament says that when Abram believed there, he was given this righteousness, this promise from God because of his faith, not because of his actions, not because he did something first to please God, but because God is good in and of himself and sovereign desired to give that and bless him and choose him and his people. Did you know what the New Testament also says? It says that because of the work of Jesus crucified, resurrected from the grave, like you're here and you may be like, dude, I'm far from God. Like you want to talk about messed up dating life. You should see my life. You want to talk about marriage struggles or issues with children. I want to tell you that God redeemed you, that he loved you. And the New Testament teaches us because of the work of Jesus, you are grafted in Romans, you are grafted in to the family of Abraham. That just like when Jesus was baptized, and we've had three baptisms this morning, already did a couple of them. When he was baptized into the water, when he uh, comes up out of the water, the Holy Spirit descends upon him in the form of a dove. And you hear the voice of the father saying, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. That he found his identity in being a son of the living God, that you, it says, can call him Abba, Daddy, that you share in the sonship or the daughtership of Christ. You are a child of God if you have given your life to Jesus. So it means that the way that he was the very great reward, his protector, his shield, that he could be that in your relationships, in your family, in your dating life today. But I know that's hard. And that's what I want to discuss. Will you pray with me? God, oh, first we pause in the busyness of our weekends. Beautiful outside. Race is going on today. Andretti might win. But God, uh, we pause and we just say, uh, we, we invite your Holy Spirit to be with us. Come, Holy Spirit. Anoint this place and may you speak to us. Speak to us in our homes, attending online. Take my words away. Replace it with yours and what you have to say to us through Scripture, God. Help us to build healthy families, healthy relationships. We want to fight for those. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. I know that, like I said, this is an emotionally heavy thing. Family is. What I need to share is I'm also preaching to myself this weekend. Can I be honest? This is something that I know I've been working on for well over 13 years of marriage. For the 11 years I've been raising children together with my wife relationships are hard. I know this because when I went to uh, premarital counseling, I was a Christian pastor who was supposed to have my life together, who met this awesome Christian woman, my wife, Lisa. She was, yeah, thank you. She was beautiful on the inside and the out, and she just loved the Lord. And I was like, we are going to be perfect, and we're going to have one of those godly, amazing relationships. I don't need to go to premarital counseling, but because it was required by the church that I worked at, I went to it, and I went to it and uh, got into the class, and there was about 14 couples in the class. They had us take a personality profile to see how you guys are going to do together uh, when you are you know, doing life together. And at the end of that class, after they had taken all the tests and received all the information, everybody was leaving and they pulled 
Lisa and I aside. They didn't, they didn't pull the other 13 couples aside. And they said, Josh, uh, we just want to, and Lisa, we just want to be honest with you guys, uh, based off your personality profiles, most people marry people with complementary personalities that you know, can complement one another. But you guys have very similar personalities. You're both extroverted, outspoken, and have strong opinions. We don't know how to tell you this, but you are going to have, so there's Lisa, there's my wonderful wife right here. And uh, they told us, I'm not making this up, uh, we want you guys to know ahead of time, you're probably going to have a lot of arguments in your relationship. And so we went, no, 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 no. We love God and, you know, Jesus. So no, we're not. And we, uh, in that moment, I remember we were like, well, we were kind of in a bad mood when we took the test. So it probably wasn't accurate. And they were like, no, 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 no. That's what it's going to be like when you're in a bad mood. And guess what? They were right. And so we went not only to premarital counseling class, we went to professional premarital counseling with a Christian counselor. We went back after a year of marriage intentionally, and we've gone to many years of marriage counseling. And I can tell you that the hard work of trusting the Lord, it's not just easy. You don't just pray a prayer, but you can see the change over time. And when Lisa and I have arguments today, and we still do, it does, it's not always easy. It can be hard. But let me tell you the difference between when we first got married to now Like some nights we just know that, okay, I trust you, you trust me, we trust God, we're just gonna have to surrender this to the Lord and our fights look different. Every counselor will tell you it's not to not have arguments, it's to argue well that matters in a spiritual, healthy way. We, when we first got married, we could fight about anything, right? Like we got, uh, I remember our first big marital battles, we discussed these deep theological issues and get into great disagreements on things like, Uh, this German board game called Settlers of Catan. Anybody know that game? Number one German board game of 1996. And uh, we would have many arguments about it, usually uh, because she, can I just be honest in humility? I'm just saying this out of humility that I once beat her 16 times in a row and she was very upset about that. And I, in my young, uh, you know, rookie mentality as a husband, did not understand what that could do to a relationship. So I began to lose on purpose after that. But <laughs> that's not true. But it's a lot more fun when she's here. So, you know, that's what, uh, but marriage, don't, don't judge me. Some of you got in huge arguments in the last week because he didn't change the, the you know, the toilet paper roll, Right? And we can find, and all of a sudden, this one little thing can turn into like a week of arguing and not talking to each other. I know, I know how you are. So, some of you, and you could do that in your work life and your friendships. Some of you, you haven't talked to a friend in months because you're still mad, but you're not going to talk about it. Isn't it incredible how we can do that? I believe that if we're going to fight back spiritually, I, I believe the enemy loves, loves that we don't do anything about it. He loves to allow his plan of to steal, kill, and destroy, John 10, to be destructive in your life, that we don't fight back spiritually, inviting the Holy Spirit into the long, hard work of invading every relational aspect of our life. By the way, we you know date and we have problems. We think we'll get married and it'll solve our problems. And then we have kids. And then we're like, oh boy. And you throw kids and parenting and grandparenting and large family issues, it gets complex and hard. I know in my own family, you know, we've got three kids, so I understand what that's like. They're 
11 and eight and five years old. And that was at Easter. They looked so sweet, smiling. Don't let the cross on their chest confuse you. I probably shouldn't share this, but the 11-year-old yesterday at the, the, the pool decided to go up to one of the other moms at the pool and t- tell them that he had COVID <laughs> because he thought it was funny. Didn't have it, doesn't have any signs, hasn't had any symptoms whatsoever. That's parenting, isn't it? So like inviting God in and fighting back spiritually in these different aspects, whether you're dating, married, kids, grandkids, relational aspects, in-law issues, it's hard, but it's worth it. And so here's in our short time together, I'm going to give you three ways to fight according to Genesis 15 and 16 to fight for healthy relationships. And the first one might be the most important. Stop looking for the easy way out. Stop looking for the easy way out. We have generations of sin issues that we've experienced in our families, that we have passed on to our children and our grandchildren, issues in our uh, marriages that we have brought in that have been decades in the making, and we want to solve them like that. Whether it's to pray the prayer, or if I just go to this doctor, or I just go do this, to do the hard work of admitting the issue, then not avoiding the issue, but actually dealing with it spiritually and in prayer and seeking wise Christian counsel and help. That's the hard work. Stop looking for the easy way out. In Genesis chapter 15, verses one through five, I read for you, this promise is given to Abraham and it ends there in verse five with his credit to him as righteousness because he had faith. By the way, the word faith there, when we get to the New Testament, the faith that we have in Jesus, one of the most famous verses in all the Bible, uh, John chapter 16, for whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That saving faith happens from our belief, right? Do you know that the Greek word there for belief, it's not going to be on the screen, but it uh, comes from the root word pisteo, and it does mean to believe. It also means to have faith or to have trust. It's only in our American minds where we believe that we could believe something cognitively in our head, but not trust them with our actions. It's foreign to the New Testament understanding of believing. You can't believe in God for eternal salvation and not trust him in the area of your life. I'm not here to tell you whether you have salvation or not. I'm just trying to define what the word there in the New Testament is. And so for those of us as Christians that have the work of Jesus today, if we're going to find healing in our relationship, we have to stop looking for the easy way out and trust and believe that God is going to do the long work of transforming our lives, our families, and our friends. By the way, before you think, well, that could have been bad, almost had a stage dive on you, Wayne. You'd probably appreciate that. But I, uh, in chapter 16, just one chapter later, it seems as if Abram has now trusted God. But let me show you the first few verses. And remember, this is 3,500 years old. It wasn't originally in chapters, but just a short time later in Abram's life, it says this in verse, uh, six, or verse one of chapter 16. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar, So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family with her. Now, first of all, there's all kinds of problems with that passage, right? And we don't have time to get into all of the details. Obviously, uh, you know, the slavery in the Old Testament was different than American slavery. At that time, you would sell yourself into slavery for seven years so that you could survive and uh, be taken care of but it doesn't make it right. It makes it horrible still. And then to force their servant to be with uh, Abram in this path, horrible, horrible, horrible in every way. 
sinful, wrong. And then you factor in that God had just told him, I'm going to give you as many descendants as the stars in the sky, other places, places, sand on the seashore. And right there, a chapter later, they were like, yeah, I'm not so sure about that. Where are you at, God? And they decide here to take the easy way out, to take their relationship and their future and their inheritance into their hand. And so Sarai tells him to do this, right? And then naturally, the husband, he said, no, I just heard from the Lord, and he told me not to do this. I need to follow him and not dishonor him. No, Abram says this. Abram's like, uh, okay. Abram agreed to, to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived and let's call this easy way out what it is. It's, it's sin. It's wrongdoing. It's brokenness. And because of the sin of both Sarai and Abram in this passage, it will have generational issues within their family line. Hagar will give birth to Ishmael. And Ishmael is not looked upon fondly. And Hagar, because she's treated poorly by Sarai, will leave. And they essentially let him go off into the desert by themselves thinking to perish or to die. But they survive and Ishmael will grow up to have many descendants. And we can't track all these things exactly, but you know, some believe that you could even line up the Philistines and the, the arguments that the Israelites and the war between the Philistines and the Israelites, the, between the descendants of Ishmael and the descendants of, of uh, Abraham in this passage of Isaac and Jacob. Because eventually Abraham will become Abraham and he won't be Abram anymore and he'll give birth to a son uh, named Isaac and he'll have Jacob and Jacob will have 12 sons which become the 12 tribes of Israel and all the promise that God made would occur. But because of this lack of trust and this disobedience and trying to find the easy way out, they will create division in their entire family line. And look, God will use it for good and he gave life to Ishmael and all of those descendants and that's what God does. But that brokenness will cause division and they will have generational issues in their family for many years to come. Isaac will have his own relational problems. Jacob steals his birthright from Esau and then they have all kinds of issues and Esau's descendants, the Edomites, won't get along with Jacob's descendants, the Israelites. And then the 12 sons of Jacob will sell one of their brothers into slavery to the Egyptians. Could you imagine that family reunion? You think you had a heart because you got weird Uncle Bob over there doing, you know, the Lord knows what and saying things that are inappropriate. But imagine you had, hey, remember when Grandpa Abe sold Uncle, or, you know, let Uncle Ishmael go out to die in the desert? You remember when, uh, you know, Uncle Reuben tried to sell Uncle Joseph to the Egyptians into slavery and they wanted him to die? Look, this is the chosen people of God. If you feel like you're not good enough and your life is too messed up, look at this family. And I think if we stopped looking for the easy way out, and in our marriages, it could be as, the, the sin could be as simple as, yes, divorcing or something like that without working on things, but more often it looks like resisting that you even have an issue, not talking about the issue, refusing to go to Christian counseling out of pride and your own sin within. 
It could be as much as I'm not waiting anymore on this dating life, so you take it into your own hands and date people you know that you shouldn't and get into relational issues that you know you shouldn't. You have friends with benefits and you click things online and you do all these things because you just, I'm tired and I'm not waiting anymore. And then what the enemy does is like, ha I got you. I got that hook in you now. And so now you're a bad person. You're always going to be a bad person. So just stay being a bad person. But the New Testament good news of the gospel, the, the good news is that you and I have salvation in Christ. Yes, but we have the work of the spirit now that we could be changed and transformed. But it has to begin with first stopping and not looking for the easy way out anymore. I'm going to be in this for the long haul. I'm going to invite God in on a daily basis, even when I don't feel like it. Even when I'm tired, I'm hangry, kids are acting up. I'm gonna do the long work of inviting you in and talking about these issues. Point number two, if you're taking notes to fight for healthy relationships, not just stop looking for the easy way out, but stop blaming everyone else. Look, I'm not pointing any fingers, okay? I, I, I'm the worst at this. I just ask my wife. I love to blame other people for my problems. Simple example, not a good one, but simple example. Every time I'm getting ready, I don't know why either my wife or my kids have taken either my car keys or my wallet or my shoes or something. And they have hidden it because, you know, they're dastardly people. They have hidden my stuff so that I could not find it. Anybody with me, you have that problem in your household too? And I will blame, it's so silly in the moment, I will blame everybody else because I can't find my car keys. Well, who put the car keys there in the first place? Not me. And this is what we do. This is what uh, Abram, and I, uh, excuse me, Abram and Sarai do, by the way. Look at verses five and six right after this. Then Sarai said to Abram, <laughs> I love this passage. This is so human. She says, you, you did this to me. You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. And then Abram, you know, he takes the high road out, right? You're right, honey. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. No, 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 no. Look, look what he does right after this. He's like, uh, wait a second. Um, Verse six, your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. That's right, I mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. He's like, uh, wait a second, what are you talking about? I just did exactly what you told me to do. You said I should go and do this. Come on, fellas. You ever had this argument? You, but you told me to do it. It wasn't my fault. It was your fault. It could go as simple as this, you know. Oh, why didn't you take the trash out? You didn't tell, I didn't take the trash out because you didn't put the trash away properly and bag it in the right place. And it was very messy. And I didn't want to get my hands dirty. We can look to blame each other for every little issue in our lives. Frankly, we can even spend years and decades blaming other people in our lives and the generational sin issues that we've experienced. And I don't want to make light of those at all, but at some point to say, I'm going to take a stand, I'm going to fight back spiritually, and I believe that God could heal my relationships. He doesn't want to take credit for his pride and his sin. She doesn't want to take credit for it either, and it will divide their family for generations because of that one little act of sin and not trusting God in the first place. So if you're going to stop taking the easy way out and you're going to stop blaming everybody else, if you're going to fight for healthy relationships, number three, the most important part, stop believing your life and relationships are too messed up to redeem. Because see, eventually you get to the point where you just say, well, 
I just can't change. This is just how I am. My personality's like this. I've always been like this. I can't change. In fact, I don't deserve love. I don't deserve to be treated well. And I'm not going to treat other people well because I'm just not like that. And we give up hope. Hey, what would it take for us to truly trust that God loves us and he redeemed us and that his Holy Spirit could invade our lives relationally and we could fight back, that we could become someone who has healthy dating habits, who treats people well, who honors God first and others second and ourselves third, to become the person that our spouse desires us to be, to become the person God desires us to be, to become the parent that God wants us to be. It's not going to come easy. We got to stop looking for the easy way out. We got to stop blaming everybody else. And we got to start thinking God can change me because I, I can't change you. I can't change other people, but I can change my choices and my decisions and my actions. So God, I invite you in. I'm going to claim Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 in my life. I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not on my own understanding. In all my ways, I'm going to acknowledge or submit to him and he will make my path straight. So God, I'm going to, on a daily basis, wake up and submit my marriage, my parenting skills, my life, my dating life to you. I'm going to hit my knees every morning and I'm going to surrender my family to you. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And for too many of us in our culture and society, we are losing this battle, guys. We are losing it and we have given up hope. God created the universe in six days. His spirit can shake the earth. He can handle the issues. But it's not going to happen if we're passing the buck of blame and we're not repenting and believing God can transform us. Do you know what happens to Abram and Sarai, by the way? Eventually they'll become Abraham and Sarah, grown up in the faith and God has transformed them. And in Genesis chapter five, we get to see Abraham's funeral. Have you ever thought about what your funeral may be like someday with all your family and friends gathered there? And I want to show you, this is super cool. So Abraham, after, Abraham, after the bad choices, look what happens here in verse seven. Abraham lived 175 years. So about 75 or plus years later, they've had generations and grandkids raised up now. Then Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age, an old man and full of years. And he was gathered to his people. Verse nine, look at this. His sons, not one son, his sons, Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah near Mamre in the field of Ephron, son of Zohar, the Hittite. In the family's land, he is buried there with both of his sons as pallbearers. That at an old age, he's going to die with a reconciled family. And there are consequences to sin, absolutely. Things that we can't get away from. But we can also know that we are forgiven and we can be reconciled and we can change our relationships in our lives. Verse 10, the field Abraham had bought from the Hittites there. Abraham was buried with his wife, Sarah. After Abraham's death, God blessed his son, Isaac, who then lived near uh, Beer Lohai Roy. He ends reconciled with his two sons there together. And I know you think it's not possible in your life. And so as we close out our time, I want to ask you this question. Is your family's foundation built on Christ? Or is your family's foundation built on Christ alone? 
I'm not talking like you occasionally go to church. Like when you wake up, do you pray about your dating life, your marriage, your, your kids, and do you dedicate them to the Lord and say, God, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, I think it, we underestimate what God could do with us by simply fighting back spiritually. Do you know that there are married couples in our church who had horrible sin issues that came up and they divorced? And then the Spirit of God interceded in their lives and they surrendered their life to Jesus. They got baptized. They did the hard work of years of disciple making. That's why we do one to three years of discipleship huddles. And they were transformed. And then they got back together, got remarried, and just had a kid recently. We, we've had couples who we have sent around the country to crisis marriage weekends, and they have stayed in different hotel rooms because they can't even be in the presence of each other. And they have come back from those weekends going, we're still definitely getting divorced. That was horrible. And then God began to work on their behalf and fought back for them spiritually. And they ended up finding healing in their relationship. Look, I'm not condemning anybody for your past, or if you've had a broken relationship in your past, God for, can forgive. You can be transformed. But what I am telling you today, if you're a follower, of Jesus. Don't underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit and what God can do in your life. But it's going to take that daily submitting to him, acknowledging him in all of your ways. And he's the one who makes your marriage and your dating life and your kids paths straight. But it only happens when you have the type of belief that you trust in him with your decisions and your choices and your actions. Is your family's foundation built on Christ? What I can tell you is this. With Lisa and I in our marriage, I can say we have had some major issues over the years. We've lost a child. We've gone through a lot of hard discussions and past family issues and all kinds of things. But I can tell you that today I trust her and she trusts me more than ever before that when we have to work something out, we know God will take care of this if we just give him time. And we don't look for the quick, easy fix and allow us to react with emotions and instead invite the Holy Spirit in to intercede on our behalf. And then raising kids in today's world is so difficult and so hard. If we're going to do it in a healthy way, we got to trust him. Stop blaming everybody else. Stop looking for the easy way out with our kids and trusting that God can redeem our families. And you may come from a family of generational sin over and over again. And I want to give you hope this morning that the Holy Spirit of God can transform it, but it's not going to come easy. You're going to have to do the long work. And so here's three simple steps you could take of how to fight for healthy relationships practically. One, find your crew to pray for you. Really simple. You're not meant to do this alone. Who's praying for you? Have you told anybody? Who's praying for you? You mad about your dating life right now? Talk to God, talk to others, have them pray for you. I don't, I don't want to over-spiritualize this, but we have literally prayed, I believe, husbands and wives into existence. <laughs> and I want to, it doesn't always happen, okay? But I, I believe that you need people praying for you, whatever your issue you're facing. Talk to a spiritual mentor. That's why Rooted and Huddles exist. You can sign up for Rooted, a 10-week discipleship experience to today at the cafe. We're starting in just a couple weeks. We're going to have a meeting online throughout the week in person. 
then some of you, that means you need to get to that significant marriage seminar that we discuss. We have an entire weekend dedicated September 11th to the 13th to that very thing. Actually, today we have Mary and, and Dave Gothy who run that ministry, who travel all over the world, happen to be here. They're, this is their church home and they are here and we would love to get you signed up for the significant marriage coming up in just a few weeks. It's phenomenal. I've been through it myself. My wife and I have. You walk away with an actual plan and then Kirk Cameron, Mike Seaver is gonna be here that weekend too. So we got a whole marriage weekend plan to work on these things because we're going to fight back spiritually. And then the final one was to find a Christian counselor. If you can't afford one, we will pay for it. Just email us info at mercyroad.cc that you might say today, starting now, my life and my family's life will be found on Christ. He will be our foundation. Starting now, my life and my family's life will be found on Christ. Will you pray with me? God, uh, we just pause and we acknowledge your presence with us. And I shared some of the hardships I've been through, my wife and I have been through, our, our marriage, our parenting has been through. But I know there are things in this room that are as hard or probably even harder. Emotions we don't know what to do with, things that we have been avoiding for years. And this could be the day, God, where you break through. We don't let the enemy have a victory anymore. We're going to declare your hope in our dating life, in our marriage, in our parenting and beyond. So if you're a Christian in the room and you want to surrender one of those areas of your life to the Lordship of Jesus, I invite you to pray this silently as I pray it out loud. God, I give you this area. Say, not out loud, but say to him, whatever that area of your life is, I give you this area of my life and I make you Lord of it. I want my foundation to be based on you. And then if there's anyone here in the room or online who have never surrendered their life to Jesus Christ to base their entire life and their family's life on you, God, we give them the opportunity right now. Pray this with me silent as I pray out loud. God, I confess I'm not perfect. I need you. I believe and receive your grace and forgiveness. I repent of anything in my life that's not of you. And I surrender my whole being to you. I'm yours. God, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. Help us to fight for healthy relationships. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen.